Let me invite you to stand as you're able for the reading of today's New Testament lesson from the book of Mark, chapter 1, verses 16 through 20. This is how it reads. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending the nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you. Please be seated. May we pray. And now, Lord, may these words of my mouth and the meditations of the hearts of all of us who are in this holy place be acceptable in your sight. Amen. For those of you who haven't yet heard, I am Jim Hughes, and I've recently joined the staff in a part-time capacity to be a member of the congregational care team. This comes on the heels of a 44-year career uh, as a pastor in Middle Tennessee, In addition, some of you are aware that I also served for 20 years as a chaplain for the Tennessee National Guard. To help you get a a handle on me, let me share this true story with you. For seven of those 20 years, I served an, an Army Aviation Squadron, helicopter pilots and maintenance. On my first day, the commander, Craig Abingdon, instructed two of the pilots to give the chaplain an orientation flight, sort of a helicopter 101 experience. The pilots took great care securing me in the back of a UH-1, otherwise known as a Huey. They gave me a headset so I could hear everything that was going on. As soon as they got me situated, they began their pre-flight checklist. After a few minutes of that, One of the pilots looked at the other and said, did you check the Jesus nut? And I immediately spoke up and said, oh, I'm fine. Don't worry about me. They both cracked up laughing because that is not what they were talking about. You see, the big rotor blade on top of that helicopter that allows it to fly is held on by one large nut that is affectionately known as the Jesus nut by the pilots because they know that if that nut ever fails, they are going to soon meet Jesus face to face. And as you may have guessed, that nickname stuck with me for years in that unit, and I wore it with pride. Today we continue our series called Kindred Hearts. These are stories of encounters between Jesus and people, people who became his followers and his disciples, and how these stories of call serve to transform people and the world. Last week, Davis preached on the recall of Peter. Today, we hear from Mark's gospel and the call of the first disciples. Now, what becomes evident from the start is the sense of urgency in this story. Just look at how Mark's gospel begins. Where's the manger? Where are the wise men? Where are the shepherds? Where are the angels? Where's Mary and Joseph? For goodness sake, where is the baby Jesus? It's all the more striking because Mark was the first gospel written. 
And there are only two explanations I can think of. Either Mark didn't know about a birth story or he just didn't care. Because it seems clear to me that Mark has serious business to attend to or he has other fish to fry. Which leads him in the very first chapter to an encounter between Jesus and four fishermen. So let's set the stage. Mark begins with John the Baptist thundering away in the wilderness at the Jordan River, preaching about the kingdom of God and our need to repent now. Why? Because it's happening. The kingdom has arrived. In no time, John is arrested and that's where our story picks up. Maybe as a result of John's arrest, Jesus picks up the mantle. He goes to Galilee and his very first words, the kingdom of heaven is upon you. The time is now. Repent, get your house in order. Can you feel the urgency? Now watch what happens next. Jesus walks along the banks of the Sea of Galilee where he spots two sets of brothers, Simon, Peter, and Andrew, and the Zebedee boys, James and John. Jesus says, drop what you're doing and follow me. Now listen to how Mark describes what happens. Immediately, they drop their nets and follow Jesus. Those four fishermen made a life decision right on the spot. Kind of like a fisherman I once heard about, you may have too. This man never failed to catch his limit of fish. Even when none of the other local fishermen caught anything, this guy always came home loaded. The local game warden got a little suspicious and he asked the man if he could accompany him on his next fishing trip. So a few days later, the two of them went out. Hours went by and neither of them got even a nibble. Then the man reached into his backpack, pulled out a stick of dynamite, lit it, threw it in the, the lake, and it exploded and fish started floating to the top. And he calmly took a net and began to scoop them out. The game warden was livid. He says, you've got some nerve doing that in front of me. You know that I have to arrest you, don't you? The man calmly reached into his backpack. He took a second stick of dynamite. He lit it, handed it to the game warden and said, do you want to talk or do you want to fish? Life decisions sometimes happen fast in an instant. For Mark, the urgency of the arrival of the kingdom of God was unmistakable. Mark uses the word immediately 41 times. That's out of a total of 79 times in the entire New Testament. 11 times he uses it in this very first chapter. The kingdom isn't some faraway place far into the future. It is here and it is now. And for those four fishermen that day, what happened was Jesus. Jesus happened. In my time, I've heard a lot of sermons about the call of these disciples. They talk about the remarkable faithfulness of these disciples to drop everything and follow Jesus. I've preached my share of those sermons too. It's a kind of preacher's paradise. It goes something like this. Listen, church, do you see the heroic faith of these simple fishermen? 
That's what Jesus wants from you today too. I invite you this morning to consider this story maybe differently. The word immediately is almost always used in the Gospel of Mark in connection with a miracle. In chapter 1, verse 31, Jesus heals Simon Peter's mother-in-law. Immediately, the fever left her. In verse 32, he casts out demons, and immediately they leave. In verse 42, a leper begs Jesus for healing, and immediately the leprosy is gone. You get the picture. The word translated as immediately was a Greek word, euthis, which literally means well-placed, stable. It is a passive word. Euthis requires no action to be taken. The action help happens elsewhere. And so for Mark, this call of the disciples, I think, is no hero story. It's a miracle story. The disciples didn't happen. Jesus happened. And it tends to happen fast. If you don't believe me, ask Toy how her life has been for the last couple of weeks. Now, make no mistake, once Jesus happens, decisions must be made. Our discipleship is largely a partnership with the risen Christ. These four fishermen could have received the miracle and turned it down. And maybe if they had stopped to think it over, they may have come up with a dozen reasons not to follow. It sounds familiar, doesn't it? How many times have you suffered from paralysis by analysis, overthought it, allowed your head to stifle your heart? I've done it so many times, it's embarrassing. But there are times when Jesus happens and in that instant, anything can happen. Several years ago, the church that I was serving took a mission trip to work with a ministry called Bahamas Methodist Habitat. It was a home repair ministry because as you might guess, in a place like the Bahamas, frequent hurricanes and storms change the landscape almost on a weekly basis. And so homes were in constant need of repair and that's what we were going to do. When we arrived, the Bahamian government requested that we renovate the home of one of their national heroes. The very first world champion in any sport from the Bahamas was a middleweight boxer named Elijah Obed. By the time we arrived, Obed was a mere shell of his former self. Years and years of blows to the head along with many concussions had left him completely disabled. He lived with his mother who cared for all of his needs. He spent most of his days lying in bed. There were 17 of us who went on this mission trip. We spent our days power washing the outside, repairing holes in the walls, repainting the exterior. Hugh Queener, a member of this church, many of you know, went with us on that trip. He spent about two days with a little push mower in knee-high grass in 100-degree temperature. Ask him about it. He'll tell you. Some of us worked on the interior of the house, repairing walls, the ceiling, wiring, whatever needed to be done. One day inside the house, Jesus happened. Among the 17 of us were two teenaged young men. They were both 17. 
They were doing some painting on the inside when Obed's mother approached one of them and said, come with me. His name is Jonathan Kreitz. She led Jonathan to the bathroom where Elijah Obed stood and she said, will you give him a bath? Freeze this moment. You are a relatively shy 17-year-old boy in a stranger's home and you get kicked by an angel. Jesus happens. What do you do? If Jonathan had hesitated just for a moment to think it through, he probably would have come looking for one of the older men in the mission to get them to do that task. But Jesus happened. And immediately, this 17-year-old gave a bath to a disabled stranger. Chokes me up thinking about it even now. Do you suppose that the life of faith almost always happens in the immediately? I believe it is when we lean into that immediately, when Jesus touches our hearts, that's what makes us kindred spirits. When Jesus happens, that call comes with a mandate to follow. Follow Jesus and learn. Watch where he goes. Listen to his words. Who does he spend time with? The kingdom is now. Jesus has come to transform the world. And if you get that call and follow it immediately, then you too become world changers. We're in the Easter season. Christians at our best are the fools who dare to believe in God's power to call dead things to life. To reach down into the graves we dig for ourselves to pull us out over and over again. To get that mulligan that Davis talked about. To lift a prayer to God saying, Dear Lord, please help me do better today what I may have done so poorly yesterday. We've endured a very difficult year, haven't we? Over 3 million Americans are dead from COVID. Sorry, over half a million Americans are dead in, from, in America, 3 million worldwide. We've been sequestered. We've been separated and we are tired of Zoom. And now that we are receiving our vaccinations, there is an unmistakable sense of hope in the air. Listen carefully as we speak about a return to normal, about travel, about parties, about reconnecting with our own families. There will be rejoicing and there should be. But we must not forget that we are returning to a troubled world, a world of too much hatred, too much cruelty, too much division. A guilty verdict this week may well be a step forward, but the next inevitable mass shooting will be maybe two steps back. As we leave the tombs of quarantine, a return to normal will be a disaster unless we recognize that we are going back to a world desperately in need of healing. And I believe today that healing can only happen when Jesus happens in and through us.
In the closing passage of his monumental work, The Quest of the Historical Jesus, Albert Schweitzer, physician, theologian, Bach scholar, offered a profound statement. In an effort to separate the real historical Jesus from the Christ of faith, Schweitzer discovers that we can come to know Jesus only by following him. He writes, he comes to us as one unknown without a name, as of old by the lakeside. He came to those men who knew him not. He speaks to us the same word, follow thou me. And then sets us to tasks which he has to fulfill for our time. He commands, and to those who obey him, whether they be wise or simple, he will reveal himself in toils, in conflicts, in sufferings, which they shall all pass through in this life. And as an ineffable mystery, they shall learn in their experience who he is. All of this is in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.